Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast. Creative Pep Talk exists to help you fulfill your creative destiny. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza. You can stay up to date with Creative Pep Talk and my creative work by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump in. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, just a quick bit of announcements. I just wanna say, just a heads up, this episode is part of our Creative Destiny series. We've already done two episodes. The past two episodes have been part of this. We're gonna do a few more. This episode is about uh, the first step to connecting to an audience, which is making authentic work. And I wanna dive deep into the psychology of what I think uh, helps you make authentic work. So that's what this episode's about. If you're into it, be be sure to check out the other parts of the series in the past and as well as the future. In the future, we're gonna talk more about connecting to audience. We're gonna talk about uh, what do you do when you're feeling defeated and the importance of um, you know, how to deal with those moments and all kinds of jazz like that. Real quick, just wanna say that uh, you should go check out Creative Works Conference. Creative Works happens in Memphis each year in October. I'm gonna be there. I love being there. It's a vulnerable place where everybody gets to tell their own stories and get to know each other. Um, I've gone two years in a row and just loved it. I take my MFBA class there uh, in the fall. Uh, Go check it out while there's early bird prices and go see the lineup, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, go to creativeworks.co. One last thing, and then I'll shut up and we'll get into the content. Um, 
I opened some personal pep talk slots on my site, creativepeptalk.com slash shop. Uh, I don't do those throughout the year. I just focus on my class in the year. But um, throughout the summer, I'm going to just open up some slots to do one-on-one uh, creative career coaching, the CCC sessions, <laughs> uh, where we get to talk about how to get you unstuck, how to talk about your place in the market, um, help me take a peek at your portfolio and just try to see how I can give you an outside perspective. Um, you know, before I'd ever done any of this stuff, I always was kind of weirded about weirded out by this idea because it's there's not really an industry standard or norm in the creative world for this kind of thing but I feel so at the heart of my creative destiny when I'm doing these things that I'm so glad that I ended up doing it because it peps me up out of my mind and I feel like it's uh, some of my best work so go get those while you still can and uh, yeah here's today's episode about making authentic work. Today we're continuing our series on creative destiny and we defined creative destiny as finding your gift and finding who needs it. So finding your what your creative superpower is and then finding who in the world needs that, your audience. Uh, and uh, today I want to start talking about what I think is the most essential component to kicking off really truly finding your audience what i think the number one thing before you do anything else you've got to do and that's make authentic work i think that when you really want to connect with somebody if you really want to connect with an audience you've got to put who you are into your creative work you've heard all the cliches and platitudes about this right you've heard that before i want to tell you some stuff that you might have not heard before but before we do that i'll just say like you've heard write what you know this whole idea of like write what you know put what you know into the work like don't try to write a story that's not you you've heard this idea of in the particular lies the universal that's a James Joyce quote, but I'm quoting James Victoria, quoting James Joyce, because I'm not smart enough to know anything about James Joyce. I know he was a writer. That's all I know. But I love that quote, and the whole idea is that in your, in the particular details of your story, if you get really specific, if you've ever heard a really good song, like a Bob Dylan song or like a Sun Kill Moon song, they get down to the dirty, nitty, greedy, gritty details, and the reason they do that isn't because you've been in those exact circumstances, but when they paint that clear picture, the general principle, the universal all of a sudden is communicated when you can really suspend your disbelief and dive into the particular details of a story, all of a sudden you can feel that universal connection to the human experience. And so you've heard these things before. You know, you've been told before that you need to put you into the work. But there's a problem and there's always a problem with the platitude there's always a problem with a quote or you know a pithy quote or um you know a cliche there's always a problem because truth and wisdom is nuanced and deep and in a short little pithy sentence you can never fully encapsulate the truth and so when i say you need to put you into the work there's a giant gaping hole in that statement and here's what it is in order to put you into your work you first have to know who 
you are. And that is not a tiny thing. Knowing who you are is a giant part of the journey, right? Like mo it's not a given to know who you are. Like most people that ever live, most people on the planet don't actually become self-actualized. Like there is a path that you can take that doesn't require you actually ever figuring out who you truly are. And so it's a massive given to say, put yourself into your work because that assumes that you know who you are. And so if authentic work is one of the top keys to finding your audience and really truly connecting to them, then even more important than that is knowing who you are. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about the intricacies of how to start finding who you are. Um, and you know, every time I ever talk about this idea of self-actualization and knowing who you are, it's, I'm always sensitive to sounding like I know who I am and I am self-actualized. And when you finally reach the plateau that I have, you will start making the great creative work that you are destined to make. Now, I do think that I am on the journey. I do think that I've made some progress in this uh, in this journey, but I do not think that I've made it there, so to speak. And the reason is, is because I think it is a lifelong journey of uncovering who you truly are. And what I mean by that, it's not like what's your favorite song right now or what's your favorite uh, TV show or, you know, just the random stuff that ebbs and flows and changes and, you know, the, the kind of food that you prefer right now. I'm talking about what are the tattoos on your soul? Like what are the core values and principles that make up your DNA, the experiences that have shaped you on a deep level, where you've come from, what are those things? And I like the image of tattoos and that's the symbol of today's episode. That's the metaphor that we're gonna think about. What are the tattoos on your creative soul and how do we make work from that? But before we start thinking about how to make work from that, let's just think about how do we figure out what those tattoos are. And as a 30-year-old man, you would assume that when I start talking about tattoos and I'm trying to paint this picture, you would think that this episode would be about, you know, Memento, the movie where he tattoos all the details on his body because he's got short-term memory loss. And so he, it's this gritty thriller kind of thing that's like backwards and, you know, psychological and everything. Or maybe even we would go to some movie where it's like, uh, a killer who tattoos the victim's names on his arm, like something like that. But no, because I'm not actually a man. You might not know this, but this is a massive uh, confession. I'm not a man. I'm a dad. And there's a massive difference between a man and a dad. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, the, when I start thinking about tattoos, I don't think about killers and gritty crime movies. I think about My Little Pony. And, uh, <laughs> and I've got two daughters. They both love my little pony. And the next minute and a half, I would say is just me trying to explain away my deep connection to my little pony. And I'm not a brony. Don't call me a brony. And if you don't know, that's like a bro who likes my little pony. I don't love my little pony. I'm just saying that in the 
you know, I've seen the lion's share of kids entertainment out there today. And I just have to say, just on a critical level, My Little Pony, the latest incarnation of that show is top-notch kids entertainment. They do the hero's journey. They have this, the magic, the legends, the all these like... <laughs> these cool characters. There's a character that has like this spacey mane with like stars, which you know I'm the I'm into that kind of thing. And um <laughs> all right, fine. You can call me a brony. All right, clearly I'm not making a good case. But anyway, on my little pony. <laughs> the uh, I'm okay, on my little pony. They get their cutie mark, which is basically this imprint, this kind of tattoo on their back uh, hind leg. And it's an image that speaks to their core identity. And they're all different. There's like this uh, pony who's like a party animal who just likes, you know, crazy party times all the time. And she's got like balloons on her back hind leg. Uh, and I'm saying this like I don't know which one it is. I know that it's Pinkie Pie. And actually there's another one that's got like, like uh, these uh, clouds and lightning coming out. Uh, that's their cutie mark. And as I'm saying this, I know that it's Rainbow Dash. And actually, as I'm going through this, I'm realizing that I know every main character's name and the cutie mark that they have uh, on their leg. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, <laughs> I've obviously invested too much mental energy into this show. But now that I've committed, this is what the show is going to be about. I could have gone with Maui from Moana, the Rock's character, but we've done so much Moana on this show on the, that I'm trying to avoid that. But that's a good one too, because in Moana... Uh, every time Maui has a significant life event, he has a new tattoo that arises on his skin. And so that's kind of like what this show today is all about. We're going to do a deep dive in how do you do the, the work, the examination to start doing the hard work of self-actualization. Because until you start to become clear with what you've got going on in here, you're not going to be able to connect with people out there. You're not going to be able to bleed onto the canvas, so to speak, in order to truly connect with others. And so uh, I truly believe that it's the artist's job, one of the key roles of the creative is to do that really difficult inner work before their audience does it because you're an instrument of helping them see themselves in your work. That's one of your chief responsibilities is to be the first to be a leader in this difficult inner work, in this self-actualization. Because as you do the hard work and you figure out what's going on in there and you figure out how to get it onto the page, you're helping lead your audience to do the same and recognize things about themselves that they'd never seen before. And that is what today's episode is all about. Cutie Marks. So I don't know, maybe every week we're going to start in the same place. It's the same place that the hero's journey always starts. 
uh, and it's number one, the first thing you got to do is leave home. And leaving home signifies and does all kinds of different things in your life. And what do I mean by leaving home? It's the first step in the hero's journey. And it's the idea that in order to go on your journey, to really become who you need to become, you have to leave behind who they told you you had to be. You have to, uh, in Moana, this looks like uh, Moana leaving the reef. In Star Wars, it's Luke leaving Tatooine, right? Uh, in Harry Potter, it, it's leaving the Dursleys. You have to have the faith to leave the world that you were born into. And I'm going to talk about that a lot. You'll probably hear me talk about it a billion times because the depth of this point is never ending and it's always applicable to, uh, I think, every person. I think in, in more than one way, we all have to leave home, so to speak. But here's what it means in terms of self-actualization as it applies to this episode, this episode about finding who you are. Um, it's the idea of embracing the shadow side. And I used to hate that growing up in the mid good good old-fashioned Midwestern, uh, close to the Bible Belt uh, place. I used to hate this idea of embracing the shadow self. It sounded like it means embrace your dark side. And I always thought, no, thank you. I don't want to be Darth Vader. Um, but <laughs> the idea of embracing the shadow side is not about embracing the dark parts of who you are. It's about embracing the parts that you're suppressing, that you're keeping in the shadows to stay in your community, to stay at home. The things that they told you, you better not be those things because they don't belong here. And Carl Jung, the psychologist, called this uh, the shadow self and that you could never be fully actualized. You could never complete your personal destiny. You could never go through the process of individuation if you weren't willing to come to terms with and let the shadow side out and be honest with those parts of who you really are. And the reason this isn't just a weird psychoanalysis podcast and this is a creative podcast is because this applies to you doing your best work. And actually, I remember when I was 22, probably, uh, you know, hearing people talk, hearing my mentors or hearing, um, you know, creative talks and them talking about you need to put yourself into your work. And I just had this gut-wrenching feeling like, I don't want to put myself into my work because I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of my beliefs. I'm ashamed of who I am. And I think that shame often comes from the fact that you're, you know that you're not who you say you are. You know that you haven't completely bought into this person that you're pretending to be. And Carl Jung calls that the persona. And the persona is who you need to be, who you think you need to be to fit into your clan and into your context. Um, and that's where I believe the shame comes from because you see through it. And because you see through it, you don't want to put that persona into your work because you know other people will see through it. And uh, man, this is getting heavy, but I do think that it's the artist's job to do this inner work, 
Tony Robbins, um, which I have tons of conflicting feelings about. I'm a big believer in taking what you like and leaving what you don't leaving what doesn't work for you, but I like to take influence and inspiration from all over the map, regardless of the veneer. So there are things about Tony Robbins that don't gel with me, but he has some good things. One of the things he says that's a very deep question that I think gets to the bottom of this idea of persona is he says, whose parent did you, which of your parents did you need to earn their love? Whose Whose parent, which of your parents did you feel like you wanted to earn their love the most? Like usually you might have one parent that you just had their love and you felt secure in it, but another one, one of your parents, you you might have felt that you need to earn their love in a way. And who did you need to be to get that love? And so it might not even be your parent, but it might be important people in your life that you believed that you had to be somebody, a particular type of person to earn their affection. Who was that that you needed to be? And in what ways is that person not really you? And uh, in my own journey, I feel so much more comfortable putting myself into my work at age 30 than I did 22 because at age 22, I was still doing so much pretending to earn that affection. And it is incredibly scary to go outside of the community to be someone who is truly you. But I want to give you just one piece of advice. You always return home. When you feel the call that you need to go out there and figure out which part of these things is really you and you feel nervous because you feel like you're losing something, you feel like you're risking something, let me just say that most heroes, when they go out on their journey to find the elixir, they end up returning home. Now, they end up returning home different, and you have to go through the crucible. You have to go through the process. There's going to be some loss that goes on, but what you gain is worth it. And so the first thing you got to ask yourself before you start putting yourself into your creative work is, in what ways am I pretending to be somebody who I'm not? first thing you got to do is leave home and embrace your shadow self, the parts of you that you're hiding from yourself and others. The second thing you got to do is get outside help. You need outside perspective to see uh, the real you. And actually in my class and when I do personal pep talks, this is one of the main things that I want to do. And, And there's this clear thing that I'm shooting for. Whenever I encounter a person, either on Skype or if we meet in person, uh, and I look at their portfolio, I'm always trying to create a bridge between what it's like to interact with that person face-to-face and what it's like to interact with their portfolio. Because the people whose work is the most powerful to me is when I interact with their work, it's just like talking to them in person. It's like, ooh, you've really captured your bare essence. And uh, the people that do that. The people that kind of look like their work, it's kind of like a Bowser, you know, that term that means the dogs that look like their owners, the creative work that looks like their owners. That's what we're looking for. And that's what we're trying to find. And so when I do these personal pep talks, um, and, and the, uh, the, 
the MFBA class, that's one of the chief goals of mine is to how do we get your work to feel just like you? How do we bridge that gap? And uh, one of the top ways you do that is get outside help. Uh, and I have a few different methods for doing that. One of them is I am a massive, 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 um, uh, I don't want to say believer, but I'm a massive encourager. Uh, to, to people to take personality tests, the big ones, the good ones, the ones that require that have actually been on the back of tons and tons of research, things like the Myers Briggs test, the DISC, uh, the Enneagram, the Strengths Finder test, all of those I think have tons of merit to them. Now, this is really incredibly important. Go take all those tests, really give yourself to it, really try hard, really read through the results, analyze them. Get someone else to even help you take the test and analyze results, someone who knows you really, really well. But I don't love personality tests because, you know, these the ones that are well-researched, I don't love them because they will give you answers. I love them because they get you to ask the right questions of yourself. They give you the right questions, the questions that lead to the heart of who you are and your personality on a DNA level, on your preferential level. That is the key because the first time you take those tests, you're probably not going to even know yourself enough to answer those questions accurately and therefore they couldn't possibly give you the proper answers because I believe ourselves are so interwoven with our persona and our ego and all of this jazz that we're never answering with our whole selves. But when we take these tests, we start getting some of the right questions and we can start being observant of our behaviors after that and filter the questions through that. And we start getting, then you start getting some answers. And so now when I take those tests, I feel like the, an, the, the answers I get are so much more accurate because I've been able to analyze myself over the past 10 years or so. So get outside help. Talk to your friends and family even. I think you should always try to reach out to, uh, you know, creative mentors that can give you some perspective. I think that's really important. It's been uh, paramount in my own career. But this is one of those times where I think, I don't, I think rarely should you ask your like uh, high school buddies and, and parents what they think of your art. I think that gets pretty dicey pretty quick and it can throw you off the trail in a lot of ways. But this is one of those rare times that I think it's worth asking your mom and dad or the people closest to you, you know, look at my portfolio and would you just tell me which piece do you feel like feels most like me? Just feels me. You don't have to have any reason. You don't have to be able to explain it. Just tell me which of these things remind you of interacting with me? Um, and I think that can be interesting because they might know, not understand your art. They might not understand your market and your taste and your niche and all that, but they probably have a good understanding of who you really are. And if we're trying to inject more of that into your work, that's a good part of the process. Um, and so this could even look like going to therapy. I find a lot of creative people benefit massively from going to therapy and I eventually would like to go. I want to try to make time for that so I can do more of this inner work because it's a lifelong journey. And so the second thing you got to do is get outside help. All right. The third thing you got to do is you gotta work it out in the work. Now, um, 
I say this a lot, but I want to get a little bit more specific and I'm going to give you an assignment to do with working it out in the work. Uh, but I think that creativity is an amazing tool to help develop anyone in self-actualization and then especially creative people, people that want to make a career out of it. I think creative work is an amazing lens. It's amazing opportunity to help yourself have an active thing that you can do to help answer these questions and experiment with these questions and get some answers about who you really are. And uh, I can never remember, I listen to a lot of interviews, I can't remember if it's Louis Anderson or Bruce Springsteen. It was, <laughs> you know, so much in common, but these two, I can't remember, I couldn't find it. So one of these two people said this, and I think they're both like masters of their craft and had uh, enormous success in the creative endeavors. Um, but, uh, but one of them said that their dad had all these demons and you know had all this inner turmoil and all this crap going on and that they never and that their dad never worked any of it out but that they had the same sorts of demons but through their creative output they were able to get perspective and work it out in the work. By making creative stuff, they started to get to know themselves. One of the things I'm always trying to encourage you to do, you hear me say it all the time, is that I don't want to just tell you ideas about how to think more about your work. I want to inspire you with a perspective that helps you, helps you act helps you actually make stuff. If you're listening to this podcast week in and week out and you're just thinking more about creativity, you're doing it wrong. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you're not making piles of work, you're doing this thing wrong. Quantity is one of the keys. Getting it out there, trying over and over and over again. And, and here's what I'm gonna suggest to you, okay? We're thinking about your cutie mark as a My Little Pony. This this image, this <laughs> this soul tattoo. It sounds like uh, it sounds like a, a new metal uh, band. It might have even been a, a new metal band, or it could be a Godsmack album uh, name. But soul tattoo. This idea of like if your core components were tattooed on your body, like the things that would never change about you, that's who you are. One of the best ways to figure out what that person is, is think about uh, who you were as a kid. Like the things that, I think one of the things that's at the core of who I am is this idea of big existential thinking. I remember being like five years old, Literally, this is totally true. I remember being five years old and tripping out, not actually tripping out, but tripping out on this idea of the fact that I was trapped in my own experience. And I remember waking up to the idea that my brother, who was older than me, saw everything in the world from his perspective and that there was no way for me to ever cross that path and see from his perspective. And then even further than that, I remember thinking there's no way for me to know if everybody's actually having an experience or if all of this stuff is just happening to me because I will never be able to get outside of my own body. 
And those are the kinds of things that I've been thinking about since I could could, could think at all. Uh, and so I love to think, I don't know how good I am at it, but I love to think big picture, existential, and I will always be like that. And that's a tattoo on my soul. That might be my cutie mark. It might be a little uh, like a wavy cloud thing covered in stars. That could be maybe my cutie mark. And so here is my challenge to you. It's going to be hashtag CPT cutie mark. You can post it on Instagram. I don't care if you're a visual artist or not. You can still participate. Everyone can doodle. And uh, what I want you to do is design a tattoo that you would have liked when you were six years old because it spoke to something about you. Like me, you know, the little cloudy, wavy stars idea? I would have loved that. I actually remember uh, loving Captain Universe from the from Marvel. He's like this being, it's a, a celestial being that has like stars and moons all over his body. And I remember thinking that was the most BA outfit of all time. And uh, I know that I would be down with that cutie mark slash tattoo. Uh, and I don't mean that it's, yeah, you might not have known about it when you were a kid, when you were six years old, but if you showed your six-year-old self this tattoo, it would feel like you. And so I want you to design, to work it out who you are, try it out by working it out in the work, design the tattoo that is you, and then post it at hashtag CPT cutie mark on Instagram so I can uh, jump in and check all these out. Um, so work it out in the work. I spent plenty of time uh, trying to put myself into my work before I had any real sense of who I actually was. And I will tell you, it is not a good place to be, to continually try to uh, slam this persona, this invented version of yourself into your work is so completely frustrating. It, it is absolutely like trying to put a square uh, peg into a round hole. It is just, um, yeah, it's a terrible place to be in. And I spent tons of time in that zone. And uh, if you are clinging to who you're supposed to be instead of who you are, you are going to be stuck in that place. If you are clinging in a slave to the persona, you won't be able to put your true self into your work. You won't be able to make authentic work. And if you're not making authentic work, you're not going to truly connect with your audience. If you listen to the podcast, you know I've been reading some Alan Watts, interesting uh, philosopher from, I, it seems like, maybe the 70s, uh, based on some of his wild ideas. Um, and I, I'm loving it. It's just uh, some really, really fascinating, interesting, big picture ideas. And one of the things that he said that just struck me to my core as just absolute truth is this idea that faith isn't clinging to something. It's letting go and, and believing that it's going to work and that it's going to, uh, and that the truth is going to be seen. 
And so I really think if you're asking yourself, I don't know whether I have a sense of who I am or not, I think this is the metric. Do you feel like you're clinging to yourself or is there a calm about who you know? (laughs) Is there a calm about knowing who you are, resting in the truth of who you are? Or are you clinging to someone that you're not? And wherever you fall on that spectrum tells you how much more work you have to do. Uh, And I think that it's an amazing place when you actually start letting yourself be who you really are and start finding new ways to inject that into your creative work. That is where I think you start to hit this inflection point. That's the minute that you're on the path headed to your creative destiny. And so I just want to be an encouragement today that says if you feel all bound up, if you feel like you're clinging on to this version of yourself, uh, I just encourage you to let go of that because uh, there's this thing that happens um, with these people that are clinging on to beliefs that they know they don't actually believe. Those are the aggressive people. Those are the loudest bunch fighting for the cause. Because when you are pretending to believe something, that's when you're up in arms about it because you're trying to convince somebody else so that you can convince yourself. Because you're afraid that if they dig too deep, they'll find out the truth that this thing that you say you believe isn't real. But when you have an assurance that you're resting in the truth, you know it doesn't need any defense because the further they dig, the more they're going to find out that what you believe is what you truly believe. And so uh, to those of you that are in that clinging phase, I just give you an encouragement. And to those of you who have already started to open up to the ease and up to the uh, open up to who you really are, I encourage you to continue on the journey. I believe that that well is an everlasting, never-ending well. And there's always new information. There's always new breakthrough. There's always new levels of being able to put that stuff that's inside you into your work. And the further you go down that road, the more explosive your work is going to get. Dudes, thank you so much for listening. And that's dudes, both men and women. I think the majority of people that listen to this podcast are probably women based on my surveys and such, not by miles. So if you're a man, feel comfortable that this shows for you too. It's gender neutral. Anyway, I'm just saying uh, thank you, you all, all people that are listening to this, however you identify yourselves. Man, I'm getting myself into lots of trouble here. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope this is encouraging to you. I don't, I try not to ask 
too much of my audience. I already just appreciate your time and attention for the show and all the lovely, uh, you know, notes that you send me and all that. But I'm just going to do a little push over the next maybe two weeks to get um, some reviews on iTunes because that helps our visibility and gets the show into more creative hearts and uh, encourages them. So if this show encourages you, if it's done something for your creative career and you want to spread the good news, would you just get on iTunes and click write a review and write a little review for the show? That's one of the most effective ways to get this show into other people's ears. So uh, I'd love to have an iTunes review from you guys. I really appreciate all the people who have already done this. So thanks a lot. Um, And hey, thanks for listening to the show. Big old thanks to Yoni Wolf and uh, his band Y for the theme music. Thanks to Nate Utesh and the band Metavari for all the other tunes. You can hear their stuff at soundcloud.com slash metavari. Thanks to Alex Sugg for being the producer for the show. He's a phenomenal producer. He's making this show sound beautiful. Thanks, Alex. And thanks to all of you guys. Hey, dudes and all people, (laughs) Uh, do whatever it takes to stay pepped up. (laughs) 